in the moment I was like really frustrated because it seemed like then my football career is done because I, I didn't get drafted. I didn't get signed. I got no calls on draft day. And I'm like, here we are again. Like, I guess this is really it. I told my baseball coach, I wasn't playing like, you know, what are we doing? And I got, I remember this so vividly. I still have the voicemails on my phone too, which is funny, but like I got two calls that draft night and they were both from MLB teams saying, Hey, you know, we saw you didn't get drafted and you didn't sign anywhere. Like you still interested in playing baseball. You know, we got a spot for you and we'll give you, you know, X amount, which is a tiny little amount compared to what I was initially ready to sign for last year. And it was just like this, this final 180 back into a sport that I had for sure mentally given up on and moved on from. And again, I just kind of had to stick with uh, my gut feeling and tell them like, no, you know, I think I've closed the door on baseball. I appreciate the interest, but um, not in the cards right now. I'm going with the flow, and thank you, Falaron. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Go With The Flow, another episode in this alumni series. I have a very, very special guest with me in the building. I always say in the building, but here, here with me on Zoom, Jesper Horstead, Princeton class of 2019. Welcome to the show, Jesper. Thank you. Good to be on. Thank you for having me. And the first place that I have to start, congratulations are in order. You just got signed by the Las Vegas Raiders a few days ago. How, how does that feel? It feels good. Um, it's nice to be on a team. You know, this is my second team. So everything is kind of different and new, which is exciting and also a little nerve wracking at times. But uh, mostly I'm just kind of shocked by the heat out here. I've never been <laughs> in a climate like this. It was like 110 yesterday. It's new to me. Yeah, that that sound that sounds a little a little excessive. The heat probably see. Hopefully, it's something you'll adjust to sooner rather than later. But actually, when I was texting you to sort of get this episode going, you said that you had a tryout with the Giants on Monday, and then you texted me a few days later that you signed with the Raiders. So, what were those few days for you like? Was it like you tried out for one team and then other teams call you to try it, or how did that whole process work? How did you go from trying out with the Giants on Monday to signing with the Raiders on on Wednesday, Thursday, whenever that was? Yeah, good question. Um, I had an injury that I was kind of playing through last season. And so I got that scoped up in my knee and was kind of rehabbing that in the off season. Um, and so then when I was finally healthy and my agent reached out to teams, you know, some teams wanted to verify that by having me come out to try out. So on Sunday, the giants flew me out and that's when we were like initially planning to, to do this. Um, but then once, you know, this, like all this stuff has to be publicized. So I think once other teams saw that I was flying to the giants for a workout, they were, uh, excited and realized that, that meant that I was healthy. So then immediately following that, like before I even landed there, I get a call from the Raiders saying like, Hey, we want to fly you down immediately afterwards, which is a lot. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I wouldn't necessarily agree to that, but I, I am healthy and I'm eager to get back on a team at that point. So I, I did. And so, yeah, so I flew a week ago. So Sunday from Minnesota, which is where I was training to, um, back to New Jersey because that's where the facility is for the Giants. Um, tried out there on Monday morning with another former alum, uh, Steve Carlson, which is really funny. We can get back to that later. It's a good story. And then immediately after that, fly like five hours, two-hour delay to Vegas, land really late, wake up at 5 a.m. the next morning for a tryout here, end up signing, and then end up immediately just joining the team and practicing the next day in one of the most complex offenses. So it's been a, a whirlwind of a week, but nice to have this weekend to, you know, relax a little bit. 
Yeah, I was about to say, it sounds like when you were getting on the plane to go fly to New Jersey to work out for the Giants, you didn't even think that a week later you'd be exactly where you are right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Not. There were a lot of scenarios as I was trying to pack last weekend, like, am I packing for a summer in New Jersey? Am I packing for just a couple days tryouts? Am I packing for Vegas? Am I packing for, like, whatever? Who knew, who knew what was going to happen? And actually then after that, another team called and was curious about another tryout, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can just go three days back <laughs> But I mean, hey, it sounds like a good spot to be in, though. You were very highly in demand once teams found out that you were healthy, which is exciting. But you were just saying that you tried out with another Princeton alum, Steve Carlson. Who was was he your year or the year after you? Yeah, yeah, he was my year. Uh, also okay. a wide receiver with me on the team. Ended up con- converting to tight ends, both of us. And he's been with the Browns um, since. But it was really funny because we're like in the exact same boat. We're similar players. You know, we we're both coming off a knee injury last season. And so then the Giants fly us both out and we're doing this tryout like as really good friends. Steve's one of my best friends in the world, but it's also like we're kind of competing for a roster spot there and like yeah. going against these drills. So it was a funny, funny moment. I think they kind of knew what they were doing. Yeah, <laughs> they just call John Levitch, love it into just yeah. <laughs> yeah. every Princeton class of 2019 got to come in. But um, so even just right on topic, taking it back to your Princeton days really quickly. For, so I, like I mentioned, you're the class of 2019. Do you ever stop and realize and think about how lucky you were to have just beat COVID by one year? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh, to see what that did to some people's college experiences naturally I feel so grateful that I got out when I did obviously you know it's nothing but just luck but I had an amazing experience and I know that so many people was it just wasn't quite the same inevitably as a result of having to be virtual or having to you know not be able to socialize like you might like in a place like Princeton which is so conducive to that kind of stuff so I'm very grateful that I, I, I got out when I did and I feel for the students who missed opportunities because of COVID. Yeah, and we it's 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 a conversation that's gone on over the last few years. It's like who had it the worst and who had it the best in regards to COVID. And initially we thought it was a class of 2020 because they lost just the last few months of their senior spring. And then we all thought it was 2021 because there's you probably heard about the social contract on campus and how eating clubs are closed. And so we we've come to the conclusion that 2021 probably had it the worst and now 2022. And since we had this year on campus, things were normal. But as for who had it the best, definitely 2019, because y'all just got out in time and were able to to beat COVID. (laughs) Who would have ever known? Like that was so far off my radar at the time I was graduating. It was just like, of course, you're going to have your four years on on campus in person. Like what could possibly, you know, yeah possibly go wrong and then COVID said hold my beer real quick <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> um so at Princeton you played baseball and you played football so you're a two-sport athlete what even was that like for you to be on two different sports teams because even so one sport athletes like they already don't have any time to do anything other than like their sports classes a little bit of social life how stretched thin were you due to the fact that you were playing two sports on Princeton's campus which are already one of the hardest academic schools in the country I was definitely stretched thin, but I think I got less and less stretched as time went on in my Princeton career. I think I got better at managing it and uh, figured out how to make it work. Definitely my freshman year, it was a lot and especially trying to like make friends and find groups where I fit in. You know, I felt like I was like half on each team and not really a part of either one fully. Um, But I got to give a lot of credit to like teammates who are willing to work with me in the off season because I wasn't necessarily able to join the practices but it was still like essential that I was going to go out and catch passes or hit baseballs or something and like 
the, the players and the coaches really enabled it to happen because it definitely was a lot, but, you know, it ended up working out pretty well because I just kind of focused on the sport in season and like would sprinkle in a little bit of the other one, but it was a learning process for sure. Um, and trying to balance that with the, you know, rigorous academics was a challenge, but I, I don't regret it. I, I had a great experience and a very different experience in both teams. So, um, I look back fondly and when I went back for unions, I was equally excited to see both groups of people that I haven't, you know, seen since. Yeah. And going into Princeton, you knew you were committing for both. Which sport did you one think that you were better at and which did you prefer playing? It's a good question. I was all over the map when I was like trying to figure out what to do in college. And I would be lying if I said that football was my favorite sport, but football was where I was getting interest in. And so I always loved baseball and, and saw myself as a baseball player, but really no one was interested in me as a baseball player. So it ended up being that Princeton was recruiting me for football. And then when I came for football, I went up and introduced myself to the baseball coach said, Hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm hoping to come here. Would you have a spot for me in the locker room? And he's like, yeah, I mean, no promises, but we can probably find a spot for you. So I was excited about football, but knew I was or excited about baseball, but knew I was coming here for football. Not to say I wasn't excited about football at all, but like, you know, my dream, I think, was always to play baseball in college. And then I got here and interestingly, I ended up having a way earlier impact on the baseball team, um, which I never would have expected. But in the in the end, I grew to like football more and more. And it started to catch up with baseball. And there's some interesting stories as I continued to try to decide which to pursue after college. Um, but at the end of the day, I now find myself liking football way more than I ever did in college or in high school. It just seems like my appreciation for the game of football and the strategy behind it keeps uh, going up. And uh, baseball kind of plateaued in college. And so I'm, I'm grateful that it worked out the way it did. Do you remember one of those stories that sort of helped you figure out which it is that you wanted to do in the long term? Um, I'll give you just a brief rundown because I was really set on playing baseball in college and that usually happens after your, or, sorry, baseball professionally. And that usually happens after your junior year in college. And so I had a, a decent career up to that point, was full in on pursuing it, you know, like met with the football coaches after my junior year saying, look, I'm, I'm probably not coming back because I'm going to go immediately to minor leagues. Um, I talked with the baseball coach, you know, we had scouts at the games, teams were flying me out for like, you know, individual workouts where they picked their like top people for the draft and it, I was just like so sure that was the way it was going to go and it was just like things were full steam ahead for that I was sure I'd played my last football game I went into that game knowing it was my last football game and like you know had said goodbye and had my piece of the game and like fast forward to draft day which was like right after reunion so already a hectic time um, and what happens in baseball is you just like set a number uh, it's not so much about where you're drafted but like this number which is a bonus amount um, and for me, I wanted that number to be a little higher because basically I was not going to be able to graduate on time at Princeton. I was not going to be able to go back and play football. And it was probably a little higher than a guy who had no home runs in the Ivy League should set it as. But I knew that it was going to be pulling away from stuff that I wanted to do. Um, and so then I, I felt like I needed to get compensated accordingly. And it ended up that I just got multiple offers that were right below this number. And it was this like tough decision for a junior in college because it was very like life altering do I want to like just bargain a little bit with this number I had set in my head or do I want to just say no I set that number for a reason in the end I chose to say you know I that's what I want and if you'll mat match it then I'll play baseball if not then I'll figure it out um and they didn't match it 
And so then I'm like left out of nowhere, like, holy cow. So that baseball train just passed. I talked to my coaches, told them I'm not playing next year. Like, what am I doing with my life now? And so it was this massive 180. And I still at that point wasn't sure I wanted to play football. It wasn't until I finished up like an awesome senior season. I was like, you know, I think I'd really miss this. And the baseball ships kind of sailed. So I was very close to pursuing baseball. And yet I'm very glad I didn't um, because it's all worked out so well. Yeah, I was about to say, sounds like fate and sounds like things happen yeah. exactly like they should have. You come to that that fork in the road and things you were thankfully nudged in the right direction. And I'm just yeah. out here thinking about your football coach's reaction when after your first team all Ivy, your junior year, they're expecting you to come back and have the great season that you end up do that you end up having. You're like, I'm just gonna go pursue this baseball thing. Right. And I could probably imagine that they were probably a little bit happy when they you get that they got the knock on the door, like guys, I'm back. I'm not leaving. Jordan, Jordan Belford style. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were, but also so much credit to them for like allowing me to pursue that because they saw that I was really into baseball and passionate about it. And they weren't preventing me from doing that, even though they were the ones that brought me here in the first place. So I always think really highly of them for that and grateful for them, you know, opening the door back when baseball didn't work out. Yeah. And so, like I just mentioned, you were first team all of your junior and senior year. And by the time you were done at Princeton, you were first, you are still currently first in touchdown, first in career touchdowns, first in career receptions, and second in career yards. At what point during your Princeton journey did the NFL become a reality for you? Or at least something that you thought would be attainable? Oh, man. Um, you know, maybe after my senior season, it seemed like it was a possibility, but even then it felt like I was doing it not because I really believed I had a realistic chance of playing the NFL, but more so I was faced with the end of my sporting career, which was such a big part of who I am. And like, it brings me so much joy. So like I had heard a little bit from scouts maybe, but, but not enough to not nearly on the level that I was hearing from baseball. And I, and it's just like, I don't know. I, it was just more something I pursued because I didn't want to see you know, sports be over with after the senior baseball season. And I wanted to, you know, I don't know what it was. I never really felt like I had that legitimate of a chance. Um, but it, again, you know, it ended up, uh, it ended up happening. Yeah. And that, that, that actually is, is kind of interesting. Cause what I had, I had Seth DeValve on here. Honestly, mm -hmm. I recorded that like two months ago at this point. Still haven't released it because I'm waiting to release all. I was looking for it. I couldn't find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am waiting to um, release all the episodes like a week at a time. And I'm going to start that in July. Because I was cool. like, let the undergrad episodes breathe. Yep. a little bit of summer and then all the alumni episodes Love but it. he was talking about how it wasn't like i think he said junior senior year at princeton or especially when he because he did a fifth year when he had such a good season he was like okay this is something i can actually realistically pursue he got drafted in the fourth round so it's just interesting yeah. that everyone really has their own path where it's like although you had such a great season you were still like i don't know if this is something that's realistic for me but then that also leads me to my next question so i'm guessing that going into the draft you probably didn't think that you would hear your name called. So what, what was that experience for you? Did you, what, what were your, what were your expectations going into the draft? I guess. Yeah. I feel like Seth was kind of the benchmark at that point. Um, and he was like a clear cut, um, you know, candidate with like really good numbers physically and career stats. And I just didn't quite fit like an NFL niche in the way he did. He was a lot bigger and kind of morphed into this tight end position, which, um, Ivy League has known to produce um, and I was like kind of stuck more in between this wide receiver and tight end I wasn't quite able to 
you know, do the same transformation that he did. And, and I saw that. And I think scouts saw that too. Um, and I was really hesitant to turn into that tight end. So going into the draft, um, you know, I had an injury on my pro day, which kind of messed up some of my numbers, which maybe would have helped me land somewhere. I think I had delusional dreams of getting drafted in the seventh round, but realistically didn't think that would happen. But what I was pretty sure was going to happen was that I would get at least like signed somewhere for, you know, a minimum amount and at least have a, a spot in camp. Um, I thought I had done enough just in the receiving front to merit that. Um, but I think the injury again, kind of got in the way of that. So that didn't end up being the case. And I watched other teammates, um, get that signing spot, which was like, so cool. And, and obviously so merited now that we can look back and say like, the fact that John and Steve are still in the league as undrafted people is really impressive. I now see so many come and go, like you have to be talented to stick around. Um, so I, I'm so excited and proud of them. But in the moment I was like really frustrated because it seemed like then, my football career is done because I, I didn't get drafted. I didn't get signed. I got no calls on drafting. I'm like, here we are again. Like, I guess this is really it. I told my baseball coach, I wasn't playing like, you know, what are we doing? And I got, I remember this so vividly. I still have the voicemails on my phone too, which is funny, but like, I got two calls that draft night and they were both from MLB teams saying, Hey, you know, we saw you didn't get drafted and you didn't sign anywhere. Like you're still interested in playing baseball. You know, we got a spot for you and we'll give you, you know, X amount, which is a tiny little amount compared to what I was initially ready to sign for last year. And it was just like this, this final 180 back into a sport that I had for sure mentally given up on and moved on from. And again, I just kind of had to stick with uh, my gut feeling and tell them like, no, you know, I think I've closed the door on baseball. I appreciate the interest, but um, not in the cards right now. And thankfully, my agent was able to get me a couple of tryouts. And they're like, you know, they bring in like a hundred people and it's a couple, couple day long event. I mean, they switched me to tight end right when I got there. Um, and it ended up yeah, being a good switch and, and working out and they took a chance on me. So I did end up with the bears off of a, a tryout, but at the time I was so disheartened both from baseball and then from football. And I really could have sworn that my sports career was done. Yeah. And honestly, this is a story. It's, it's so great because there's two lessons that I'm hearing is one you need to just trust your gut because mm -hmm. you were like, you, you knew you were good enough to get somewhere. And so you're like, okay, I believe that even though you were getting the calls from the bit from the baseball teams, you knew that you weren't going to accept it at that time because you believed you were better at football. And then also just the power of persistence. Cause again, you could have easily been like, again, I have a Princeton degree. This could get me really good jobs, basically anywhere that I want, but no, I'm going to really stick with this. So I kind of just love those two, those two themes that I'm hearing from your story. So then going into that 2019-2020 season, when you do sign with the Bears, so I was just looking, looking up a little bit um, your season that year. So you got signed to the training camp team, and then you were cut, then signed to the practice squad, and then soon after debuted, started and then caught your first touchdown all within the span of honestly a very short period of time what was that those what were those few months like for you when especially I'm guessing right after you got cut you were probably like okay here we go again what do I do here or was it that at that point you're like okay I understand how this business works and there's going to be a spot for me somewhere so could you just walk me through that turbulent period of time for you early in your career yeah for sure so when I signed, I was the last person that they signed. I was the 90th person on the roster and the depth chart reflected that I was at the very bottom. And I think we had like eight or nine tight ends that year, which is the most I've ever been a part of. So there were very few reps to go around in camp and in preseason. Um, and I was fortunate. I didn't, they didn't get one rep my first preseason game. I got two snaps my second preseason game. And I was just looking like, you know, I was going to fizzle out and not really get an opportunity. 
and I guess the theme for that season is just injuries, um, which sucks, but it's part of the game. And it's like a couple people ahead of me got injured before our third and fourth preseason game, which allowed me to get more playing time, which allowed me to catch my first touchdown. And then my second touchdown in the last two preseason games and have pretty good receiving performances. Um, and then that was enough to get me my first little bit of confidence that like, you know, I might get cut, but I at least think I've done enough to get on a practice squad somewhere. And it was like, you know, it wasn't all of a sudden faced with the end of my career, you know, eminently. So that was the end of the training camp and another tough like negotiation process to go in there. I didn't expect to make the roster because I really had just turned into a tight end. I wasn't a very good blocker at the time. And they called me up and kind of told me these things, but said, you know, you show promise, like we'd like to sign you here. And then this is a different time. You actually can't do this anymore. But then other teams were calling and, and asking about signing me for like a little bit more money. And so it's this funny like game that they play. And so I had walked out of the Chicago Bears office, you know, because another team was offering me like two and a half times as much money. I was ready to go to the, the Jets. And um, as I'm walking out, you know, they kind of grab me, pull me back in. <laughs> well, we'll money for you. So I ended up signing on the practice squad and, and it would say that I got cut online, but really it wasn't quite like that. Okay, because it was gotcha. just, I got cut from this 90 man roster. They go from 90 then to 53. And then they add back like 10 people to the practice squad. So right. I was like one of the casualties from 9053, but knew that I was immediately coming back, if not with the Bears and somewhere else. Um, so then I was on the practice squad, which is a interesting and, and kind of enjoyable gig. It allowed me a lot of opportunities to learn how to play tight end against our starting defense and really, really good defensive ends and linebackers. So I was doing that for most of the season, not really taking part in anything that happened on Sunday. And then out of nowhere, I think our top two or three tight ends got injured. And all of a sudden, I, the Bears looked down the roster and it was like me and one or two other people. And like you said, I found myself starting on this Thanksgiving game in Detroit. Uh, you know, my first game ever starting at tight end was in the NFL. My first time running down and kickoff of my life was in the NFL. Like all these firsts that you would think would be sorted out before you get to the NFL was like this big you know, I don't know. And I was very nervous out there and not playing my best football. I did get to touchdown. But when I look back on that film, I'm like, oh, man, like, <laughs> it's unfortunate that that's attached to me. Because, like, that's ugly stuff. I didn't know what I was doing out there. Um, but again, I just did enough to stick around. Um, and it was a interesting rookie year, but it was just all because of injuries. I don't know that necessarily I, I belonged in the NFL at that point, but I, I got my opportunities then. Yeah, and even that's just one little nuance that you just said right there that I have ne I've never known where the 90, you said 90, how many? Yep, 90 down to 53. To 53, and then they add 10 more. Okay, gotcha. Yep. So, yeah, because Wikipedia needs to reflect that accurately, and everywhere else needs to re reflect that yeah. accurately. <laughs> it's true. Like, I got cut, but it, with, I, now I know what I've gotten cut, and you have no other opportunities. Like, it wasn't really like that. There was never yeah. a moment where I was like, oh, man, I'm on the streets. Like, where am I going to end up? It was like, all right, yeah. well, I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. And so you're that rookie season, you are getting a lot of these first everything sort of come naturally fast because you haven't had the experience and it's all still new to you just being at tight end. Um, and so I 2020, 2021, I believe you weren't on a roster. No, see that this is it's also deceptive. So then then so I'm not a great tight end my rookie year, but I have a full off season to work on it. I come back, have a really good training camp and there's no preseason because of COVID this year. Yeah. Um, 
though at no games and the bears signed me to practice squad. So I was with the bears the whole year on the practice squad, never got called up to play in the games. But the irony is that I was so much better of a player at that time than the year before. And it was really frustrating to me to see that opportunities were just kind of random. Like, you know, I felt like, wow, I actually think I can contribute. I belong. I can play the tight end position. I can block. And it's like, Oh, well, I'll just be spending the year on practice squad, but that's kind of just how it goes. I realized and that was a good lesson as well. So I was still with them at that point. I just wasn't on the roster. Okay. Uh, this is honestly, yeah, this is all great for me to know. This is the first yeah. time that my research has not been as accurate as I would like it. But again, this is really just. No, you wouldn't know. Not, exactly. I'm an, it's a non-factor that year, but for me, I know, I mean, I was with the team practicing every single day. It's just not reflected on Sundays in the stat book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to go online, scour, and change all this information. So for the next person <laughs> who gets you on a podcast, they don't make the same rookie mistakes. <laughs> right, right. I know. <laughs> but then, okay, so getting to that 2021-2022 season, which is what I was trying to lead up to, that three-touchdown preseason game that you have against the Titans. When you caught that one-handed pass from, I believe, was it Nick Foles? Yep. Yeah, the one-handed touchdown pass from Nick Foles. I don't know what touch touchdown in the game for you that was in your head where you're like if I don't make a 53 man roster now I don't know what else that I can do to make myself <laughs> give myself a name in the NFL <laughs> I mean yeah sort of like again this just comes from a two years of realizing how limited opportunities are and how much you have to make the most of them and I had done enough of that my rookie year you know but then I also saw the writing on the wall before this game was like, I was likely going to get cut or put back on the practice squad best case scenario, just because I hadn't done anything lately. I didn't do anything last year. It had been a year and a half since my last touchdown, like people, other teams had kind of gone cold on me. I didn't have a lot of interest because I didn't have any film or whatever it was. So like I knew going into that game that I had to do something. And even going into that catch, like I remember, you know, catching the first touchdown being like, good, but that's not nearly enough to get me on a roster. Second touchdown, okay, like helpful, but still not enough. And the third touchdown, I remember having like a, a, a cognizant moment where I was like, I have to do something like kind of crazy with this to just like seal the deal. Like I need to make it unquestionable that I belong on a roster. Um, and I remember like, I, I think I could have gone with that for two hands. And I remember thinking, nah, I got to go one here. <laughs> grab it. Like I was definitely in the zone, but I remember thinking to myself, like this got to be a one hander just to seal the deal. Um, and yeah, it was enough to get me on a roster for the season. It's true, but like, it's just so hard in the NFL to work your way on to playing on Sundays like that. My three touchdowns got me six snaps offense last year. Yeah. You know, that's just how it goes. Like, and I'm hoping for more this year, but you have to do a lot just to get a chance. And yeah. um, it's cool. And I can appreciate that now. And I didn't when I was a rookie, because I got by far my most snaps when I was the worst football player and didn't feel like I deserved them. <laughs> Especially how that I'm works. <laughs> grappling with. But um, yeah, man, it's good to be here and have a new opportunity and a new coaching staff and new offense. And yeah, everything's changed up, but I like it a lot so far. Yeah, I love the fact that you knew that you needed to do something with that catch to secure your spot, and you cognizantly went with the one. And that just makes the catch that much sicker. Yeah, even when yeah. I was looking at your highlights and I saw it, I was like, yeah, like he, he's very good at this. As a non-football personnel GM guy, I was like, he needs to be on a team. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty sick. And then <clears throat> there's this pretty viral um, TikTok that I think the Bears put out of when you get called into the office and you get – the information, the news that you're going to be making the 53 man roster. What exactly was that moment like for you when that, yeah, that specific moment when you get the call in the office and you get told that you're going to be on the 53 man roster. 
I mean, you, yeah, that damn video. I mean, you can see what it was like for me because what happens, and I've watched this happen every single year and I've been a part of it every single year, is like you go in like normal the next day after your last preseason game. And then one by one, the roster's at 90, like I said, and one by one, people get plucked out of their meetings up to the managers. And the only reason you ever get plucked out by these people called the Grim Reapers is because you're getting cut. Best case scenario, you're gonna they're gonna say, We want you back in the practice squad. You know, we'll call you up tomorrow about that. But you know when you get these calls, like it's not a good thing. And you know when you see these people show up, it's not a good thing. So like you're doing the numbers in the day after these preseason game. And I remember like slowly watching so many teammates go down and I'm constantly counting, like, okay, we're at, you know, we're at 54 or 55. There's a couple people left, and like so far, so good. But then I get pulled out of a lift in the middle of the lift with my whole team there. You know, they come down, grab me bring your playbooks and iPads and like start to walk me up and everyone just kind of stops and like watches me. And, and of course I'm thinking to myself, like, damn it, man, like three touchdowns wasn't enough. I should have gone with no hands or something, but everyone else is kind of watching too. Like, what do we got to do to stick around here? Like it's such a scary time and you never know what they're really fully evaluating. Um, and so I go in there with the full expectation that I'm being cut. And obviously it's like kind of a decoy and uh, you know, I get it. And it was cool. It got a lot of publicity, but in the moment, like I was so terrified, like you can see that when I walked in, the was like expanding, yeah. um, but no, it ended up being really good news. And I was very happy about it um, and gave them permission to post it in the end. Cause it was a funny and cool insight into the NFL life. But I know in the moment I was terrified or just really sad, I think. Yeah. And that again, hearing your perspective of all this is it, it just adds a different dimension to this. I think when people now rewatch it here and this, they're going to be like, oh, shit, he definitely is kind of scared that he's about to get cut. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then they did it with another one of my teammates, too. They're like, all right, we're going to do this to this guy, too. Like, don't tell him. And I was like, yeah, right. I went down there. And like, hey, congrats, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah you're the one you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, again, although something that you mentioned uh, a little bit ago, you said that you only got you didn't get that many snaps and, but you were still able to get two touchdowns and like six ish receptions. Two touchdowns, two receptions, six. Two, snaps. Okay. Six snaps, two touchdowns, two receptions, two, six snaps, two receptions, two touchdowns. That's a phenomenal conversion rate. If you ask me like that, that seems like, even though, again, you're not getting the reps that you want. I'm assuming that at this moment, you're like, okay, as long as I get my shot at this, I know that I'm going to be able to, to perform. And then also kind of the second part to the question, one of those touchdowns was Justin Fields' first touchdown throw. He's number 11 overall quarter uh, selection in the draft. He's supposed to be this huge, huge player. What was that moment like for the both of you? Because that's a moment that you're going to be linked with forever. And then also, what was it like to have such a high conversion rate where you were like, okay, if I would just have more opportunities, I know that I could convert some more. Yeah, it was a really interesting year for me. Um, I think I believe that I might have gotten more opportunities going in, but I also knew how talented our tight end room was last year. Um, and I can still totally appreciate that we had five legitimate NFL tight ends. Um, and I happened to fall towards the bottom of that depth chart, which is fine. It's how it goes. But to get in there, you know, I think it was like my second snap of the season on offense and catch Justin's first touchdown, I believe was to go ahead. It was in Vegas here too, um, which was awesome in that new stadium. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I don't know if I, I didn't even really know in the moment that that was his first passing touchdown. I had caught one from him in the preseason as well. Um, but I had a really good connection because he had been taking a lot of snaps with like the second and third team people um, during training camp. So 
we were on the same page and he had thrown me a lot of passes in practice leading up to that point. But really cool to share that with him. I think he's going to be a really talented player. His work ethic is insane. And I've seen a lot of good work ethics in the NFL and in college too. Um, so that's a cool little like fun fact and tidbit. And then, yeah, to get the, you know, like two for two is cool. And I, I thought that was really promising for me, but there's so much more to football than catching touchdowns, I think. And people don't necessarily realize that like it, it, that stat line pops off the charts, but I guess it's still not really enough. Like there's still their stuff that I have to be good at doing like special teams and blocking. And while I may have like excelled in the pass catching department, you know, I still got cut a month ago because it wasn't enough because there was stuff I wasn't doing. So like, it's, it's deceptively, like exciting to fans to hear that number. And I think I watched like so many people, you know, not understand how I can get cut, but I know like there's still stuff that I'm working on as a football player. And like, there are reasons that I'm not getting more than six snaps. I'm trying to like balance myself out. I can catch the ball when the ball is thrown my way, but that's not actually enough in the NFL. So that's stuff I've been working on. And hopefully this year I'm able to show that I am a more like well-rounded football player, which I think I am. It's tough. Like, again, it all comes down to opportunities. I was in for six snaps last year and all six of them were passing plays. So it's like, I can get pigeonholed into this category as a guy who only does passing stuff. And you know, when he goes on the field, there's going to be a pass play and he can't block, but it's tough to say that I can't block when I don't have any opportunities to show that I can't, or that I can block in the NFL. So it's always like about, defining myself and making sure that I'm a balanced football player and still catching the balls when they're thrown my way. Yeah. And so a little bit about, again, more on this two for two. I don't know if you're aware that you are essentially on Twitter, like a bears fan favorite and bears Twitter absolutely loved you. Why do you think you were able to endear yourself so much to the fans? Do you think it was that two for two or do you think it was something else? Cause just going, going through the, case again doing my research everywhere on twitter especially bears fans absolutely loved you (laughs) yeah and bears fans were a fan of me before the two for two i think it was because i always uh well a i came in with no expectations it's easy to be a fan favorite when they didn't draft me they didn't sign me and there's no wasted money on me there's no expectations you know and then they just look out there and they see impressive receiving stat lines which like i said is what people care about but then also, like, I think I just really embraced it, too. Like, I spent all the time I could to, like, meet with fans and say hello because that was the coolest thing ever. Like, I came from, you know, a pretty mediocre football school in Minnesota where it's not a big deal to Princeton where it's a bigger deal. But let's be clear, it's not the SEC or anything. And then now to yeah. get this faith that, like, it's the biggest deal ever in Chicago. And I think I, I tried to just embrace that and realized how cool it was for me when I was a kid that, you know, even this, like, third stringer who no one really knows – signed my gloves I kept them for years like I remembered having those moments as a kid and so I think I tried to maximize those opportunities and yeah I don't know I took on some kind of like cult following status which was really funny there um but it, yeah the, the Chicago fan base is awesome and I, I definitely something I'll miss um from there yeah, and that, you just answered my next question. What will you miss? So no need to answer that. You said the fan base is what you'll miss. But that's just another one of those things that just seems like 
someone with a worse mindset wouldn't have taken full advantage of that position that they were in to then endear themselves to the fan, become become a fan favorite and be some of the people are just being so vocal for. So again, it's just everything about the story is just so cool because your perspective at every state is what is able to just keep you going that much further. So again, for everyone listening, it's all about your mindset. Perspective is, is huge. <laughs> That's true. It is. It definitely is. And I think it, it all comes down to... Like, I really loved playing sports. Uh, I love playing baseball when I'm on the baseball field. I love playing football when I'm on the football field. I love studying the football plays, but I'm not in the football field. Like, so much of my athletic career has just been based on enjoyment that I get from playing these little pickup games and the desire to keep that going and doing whatever it might take to keep that, keep that going. I don't know. There's something so fun about, like, going to work and going outside to practice and lifting and, and eating, like, really healthy like food it's just all part of my job it's such a cool concept to me to like have my 24 7 focus just be like maximizing my ability to play this little like pickup game which is something i've done since i was a little kid it's uh still surreal to me yeah um and so now to my last two football related questions what would you say was your welcome to the nfl moment where after this instance you're like oh shit this this is real i'm in the i'm in the national football league now I'm going to point to my least enjoyable NFL moment and my welcome to the NFL moment, um, because that's also part of the story. Um, this was a, a couple games after my first touchdown, first and only start. And so, like, things were going really well, and I was playing a lot of snaps for the Bears as a result of injuries, of course, and found myself in, like, we were kind of on a little roll I think we had won like three of the last four. We were kind of making a playoff push. We were going up to Green Bay for like an afternoon game in Lambeau. They were kind of on a little bit of a slide and it looked like we might have a chance to make our way into the playoffs and I'm playing a lot. And so we make this great comeback and it's towards the end of the game. And, you know, I have a catch on the final drive, marching on the field. We're, we're down eight points and like time is expiring. We're kind of in the range for a touchdown. And so they, they put me out there for this last play of the game which is never something you really can practice because it's just always chaotic and, you know, don't be the one to get tackled with the football in your hand. Um, and I go out there and I'm just the design blocker on the play, go down field, you know, block someone, don't, don't be the last one with the ball. And then all of a sudden the ball ends up in my hands, you know, as time's expiring and I'm like, holy shit, like as a, you know, as a rookie in the league, chance to win the game for my team, like that's kind of what you dream about. So I grab that thing and just start to run towards the end zone and get tackled. I'm not, it's not college anymore. I can't outrun anyone. And, you know, at the last second, I'm trying to flip out the ball to someone. Well, it just so happens when I go back to watch film, like there's two wide open people outside of me. Had I given them the ball, they would have just walked in the end zone and we would have, you know, potentially tied the game, gone to overtime. Who knows what would have happened after that? But none of it happened because I wasn't able to get rid of the ball and I didn't see them. And of course, that's not a play that you can ever practice or rehearse, but that didn't change the fact for me that I had let my team down. And then, on the other hand, it didn't change the fact for the fans that I was the reason we didn't win this game. And so that was my first experience of like, you know, I have this like amazing relationship with the Bears fans, but of course it can turn on an instant um, because they just care about the team and they want to see them win and they expect more from the players and, and I expect more for myself too. So to go through this moment, like where I'm already so down on myself on the play, my teammates are down on me. And then also I get on my Instagram and there's hundreds of comments and messages and I get on my Twitter and it's just like really terrible things because people really care about this game. 
in a way that I never really experienced in high school or college. It was like, you could do something wrong, but at the end of the day, people were just fans of the players. Like, you know, they were always going to support Princeton, whether things were going good or bad. And it wasn't the case. Um, and so that was like the first moment, like, whoa, it can be so good. And the fame can be amazing. And the love and support you get can be um, such a fun addition to the game, but it can turn really quickly and become like really hateful and resentful. And thankfully there haven't been any more moments like that. And people forget in, in due time, but I remember how down I was in myself already. And then to just feel the full impact of everything else was like, wow, that was, yeah, definitely a low point in my athletic career, the low point. Wow. Well, good answer. Not good as in the scenario, but mm -hmm. that was, again, everything is just very insightful for me because for, and again, my only other comp comparison is Seth when I had him on and he said it was like his first preseason game when he was going against like a starter and their one snap and they just like essentially destroyed him. So it's just interesting to see how that works for everyone. And so <clears throat> would you say that you're someone who, does go online and look at the feedback, whether positive or negative? I think, you know, it's impossible to miss it. Like, especially when it's, it's so direct, like it's yeah. like, Oh, I'm going to send a, a cool post to one of my friends and my inbox is flooded with people telling me like, I should burn my Jersey and never touch a football again. Like it's tough to ignore. And I had to like go off of it for a while. Um, I try to generally avoid it because I've now seen, you can get so much love and then you can get so much hate and really neither one is going to change you as a football player. So I'm aware of it, but at the same time, I'm not really buying into it anymore. Um, but it was just, I never had experienced anything like that on a small scale. And then that's like as extreme as you can make it, you know, playoff yeah. bears versus Packers rookie year, things are going well. So I'll, I'll never forget that. And do you, do you know a uh, big cat from barstool? Mm hmm. Well, I, don't, I feel like he was one person who was also just tweeting mean stuff about you because he's a big Bears oh, fan. And he just <laughs> oh, absolutely he was. I mean, everyone was. Yeah, but yeah, again, it's 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 human nature to look at your at your mentions because even the biggest NBA NFL stars say that they do also look at it sometimes. So that's just that's just human nature. And then so that was your welcome to the NFL moment. What would you say was the single coolest moment that you had? Whether it was like a player that you've looked up to that you were playing against moment you caught your first touchdown. What so far would you say has been your coolest NFL moment? That's a good question. Um, there are so many. It's really tough to pick. It's a really cool job. I think just generally getting to know people that I grew up watching and idolizing and then to like actually be friends with these people and like have real life conversations and hang out outside the facility and, and do stuff together is just so surreal and, and get to know these people on like a personal level and actually be their friend is, is so cool because these people are so interesting and have such good stories to tell and have been on great teams and terrible teams and played with hall of famers and, and have seen it all. And it's really cool to, to hear their stories and perspective. And also it's just, yeah, I mean, the, the little kid in me is just shocked that I'm, I'm hanging out with these people that used to be like my, you know, first round pick in fantasy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love that stuff as a kid. So that'll always be like just shocking to me. Gotcha. Love that answer. Um, and then so changing topics a little bit. So week 13, uh, the My Cause, My Cleats, you decided that you wanted to wear shoe supporting friends of the BWCAW, which at Boundary Water Wilderness. Why was yeah. that a cause that you decided that you wanted to support that week? 
Good research. Good research. That was something I've always been really excited about. And I'd never been on the active roster for uh, the My Cause, My Cleats game. So I was super excited about that. The Boundary Waters is a really cool area in northern Minnesota that I grew up going to. Um, it's not that well known because it's kind of hard to, to access, but it's kind of on that like Canada, Minnesota border. It's just a ton of lakes up there. Basically hop in a canoe and then set off for the week and you might run into like three to five other people. It's very, you know, wilderness-esque. And it was really instrumental in like, you know, introducing me to camping and nature in a way that I wasn't necessarily getting into Twin Cities and this experience that uh, was really impactful on, I don't know, my worldview and um, my interests as well. And I've since gone up there with friends and family. And I wanted to, you know, like also show other people that this is that this exists because a lot of people don't know about it and also promote this really cool group that I had um, communication with long before I, I was in the NFL and knew about this cleat stuff um, and get them on a bigger scale and I figured out a way to connect with this local artist who painted these amazing cleats by hand um, who also knew about the boundary waters and so then we painted them she was at the game you know I wore them we auctioned them off the money went towards um all the money went towards the Friends of the Boundary Waters, which was really cool. And it just brought a lot of publicity to them in a way that they might not usually get from a different group of people who probably don't have that much interest or access to a wilderness area and camping trip like that. So it was really exciting. And I hope to be on more rosters for more uh, My Cause, My Cleats, because I think there's so many cool uh, other amazing nonprofits that deserve to see the light of day on a national television, which is so easy to do by just painting on some cleats. Yeah, and that's another one of those things about your platform that's just, it, you get to shine the light on these things, which again is very, very cool. One of the millions of cool things about being an NFL player. And then another question, which I stumbled upon trying to do my research also. So the NBA Finals was two days ago, or game four was two days ago, and Red Panda was the halftime performer at the mm. Celtics game. I was scrolling on Twitter, and out of nowhere, I see that she was at a Princeton game, which funny enough, I'm pretty sure I was at that game because I was like, I've definitely seen Red Panda in person. But the reason that I bring it up was you were the person helping her at halftime and throwing her the plates. What would you say it was like to work with the legend that is Red Panda? Because she is phenomenal. <laughs> wow. Great research. No one has ever brought that up. I had honestly <laughs> forgot that I did that. Certainly wasn't aware that she was the halftime performance. Um, honestly, didn't know much about her. I would work a ton of uh, particularly women's basketball games uh, for Princeton, like for the marketing um, group. And that was just a way that I could have some, some money to spend and put towards tuition. So I almost every week I was working that and they desperately needed a volunteer to help out this halftime show. And I, I didn't know much about it at the time. So I was like, yeah, sure. Like what do you need me to do? And then like we were rehearsing beforehand and I was like, this is one of the most insane <laughs> athletic feats I've ever seen in my life. Like, who is this? And I later went on to, of course, like realize how famous and talented uh, she is. But in, in the moment, I, I really didn't know. I was just seeing this for the first hand as like, you know, all this crazy balancing and, and catching stuff she was doing. And so, yeah, she like in 15 minutes, you know, told me how I needed to throw the stuff, where I needed to stand, what the order of things were. And it was uh, really cool and also really like nerve wracking because I did not want to be the reason that she was messing up. Uh, <laughs> and I and I didn't do the best job. And we were being out there and be like, oh, that, that was a terrible throw. And sure enough, she'd like scoop the head over the side, <laughs> catch a plate on top of the head or whatever it was. Like, she is amazing. Um, 
and that's so cool that she was performing i had no idea actually yeah and when when you guys were done did she like give you any tips like next time a little higher a little what did you talk no talk she after was just a, a true performer you know great great job you, you were you were perfect out there and i was like i was not you know i, I made your job way harder but uh props to you yeah gotcha oh well this this has been i've already taken up 47 minutes of your time this has been a very very enjoyable podcast episode thank you so much for for coming on jesper of course thank you for the great questions and research i appreciate that do you have any any final words for the people um not so much i guess for those who are listening who still have time left in their princeton experience really enjoy it you wouldn't believe how different the real world is when you leave there and so take pictures capture memories and enjoy it while you can and uh if you're playing sports appreciate that and try to prolong that because you don't know where that'll you know bring you i never would have thought i would be in the nfl i never dreamed about it i just like playing the sport on a day-to-day basis and it, it got me here so don't underestimate the power of uh pursuing things you love and showing up with the enthusiastic attitude Love that. That is a perfect note to end the podcast. This has been another episode of Go With The Flow. Thank you for listening. Thank you for having me.